Welcome to Ride Every Stride, episode 64. Welcome to Ride Every Stride with Van Hargis, a podcast about horsemanship and more. Our goal is to educate, motivate, inspire, and entertain you through an exploration of everything horsemanship and the intersection of horsemanship and humanship. My name is Laura McClellan, and I'm your co-host on Ride Every Stride, and I am back again with Master Horseman Van Hargis. Hello, Van. Hey there, Miss Laura McClellan. How's everything in your world today? It's awesome. After about two weeks of gray, rainy weather, we got sunshine and blue skies today in North Texas, so I'm a happy girl. Same way in South Texas, man. It's beautiful weather and getting a lot done. You know, I think we talked in a previous episode, we're doing lots of changes at our new facility down in South Texas, just outside of Victoria. And um, in fact, we're we're gearing up, getting ready for visitors because we're we're actually building a dormitory in one of the uh, one of the buildings. And um, so, after many years of not having an intern apprentice program, or at least one that that uh, we could house students on site, we are we're gearing up to get that done now. And and thankfully, the weather's just been absolutely perfect for us to get all that done. So we're very grateful for the weather. And you know what's here's what's the funny thing, Laura. I, I had a, a great conversation the other day. Partially over the phone, the other part uh, was kind of over Facebook, which, goodness gracious, one of these days I'm going to learn to stay away from any <laughs> kind of <laughs> any <laughs> any kind of Facebook drama. But nonetheless, I got myself wrapped up into it the other day. And uh, so yesterday in particular, we were, we were working out there at the ranch, and I was thinking that I was bonding with my horses because... Scooter and Skeeter, which I know that's kind of silly to have two horses named so closely together because I constantly get them confused, but Scooter and Skeeter were standing off, oh, sorry, probably 40 or 50 yards away from where we were working. And I'm thinking, hmm, we, I guess we could say that we're bonding because they're over there in their little world and they're doing their thing. And I'm very much aware that they were there. And, and since we were so close, I could just feel that we were just bonding, Laura. We were, we were just getting along, you know? And I couldn't help but to think how much closer I felt to my horses because we were bonding. Now, granted, I never once saw them look up from eating grass and, and carrying on their world, but you know what? I felt closer. I really did. Now, now correct me if I'm wrong, but I'm getting just the slightest hint of that maybe you're not serious about that. Me? Sarcastic? Are you kidding me? <laughs> well, no, I know it's, it's so unlike you. but <laughs> It's so unlike me. Well, I tell you, I, the reason we kind of, I started thinking about that was, yes, Scooter and Skeeter were standing off not too far in the near distance, and I couldn't help but to look up at them every once in a while because I do love my horses, and I'm, I'm seeing them out there and thinking how happy they must be that they've got their heads down and they're eating, and the, you know, it's springtime down here in Texas. I mean, it's not official yet, but you know, the grass is growing like crazy. The leaves are starting to put out. So it's typically spring. And the horses are just enjoying all this new fresh grass. But what got me started thinking about the bonding thing so much is that a couple of people had kind of gotten involved with a conversation. And I had an interesting phone conversation on the topic of bonding with horses. And in fact, one of my clients said that, oh, they just couldn't wait to get their horse home so that they could bond with it. And I just kind of bit my lip for a moment and listened to what they were referring to about bonding. And I finally just had to ask, so, so what do you mean by bonding? Oh, you know, we're just going to go and 
just to hang out. So what do you mean by hanging out? Well, I think this, I'm just whenever I'm doing stuff in the pasture or whatever, I'm going to walk over and I'm going to touch her and pet her every once in a while. And if she comes over to me, then I'm going to, I'm going to pet on her, you know, that type of bonding. And I swear to God, Lauren, under, under my breath, I just couldn't help but to die laughing. Because I think so many times, I, don't, I, don't, I really don't want to upset anybody, but I just think so many times that people think that's what a true relationship with a horse is, is being friends and being bonding and hanging out together. And I don't want anyone to ever think for a moment that I don't think it's extremely important to spend time with our horses. In fact, I tell people all the time, it's a great idea to spend time with your horses, but it's got to be good time. It's got to be valuable time. It can't be a couple of spouses sitting in the living room, one reading a book and the other one watching TV, and neither one of them are communicating together, but yet they're in the same room. Is that real quality time? In other words, is there some sort of interaction going on? Am I just I might be extremely old-fashioned, but I'm thinking that to develop a bond and develop a friendship and develop a relationship, there has to be some sort of interaction. There's got to be some communication between the two. Because you see, if we're really wanting to have a relationship with, in this case, a horse, relationships with horses are very similar to relationships with people in the sense that they are based on certain criteria that just almost has to be present in order for you to define that as a relationship. And the two of those are trust and respect. I can't think of a single relationship worth its salt that doesn't have somewhere deeply ingrained in its foundation trust and respect. And you don't establish trust and respect by, I guess to refer to the situation with Scooter Skeeter and I, if they're 20 or 30 or 40 yards away and I'm over there, we're together, but are we establishing any sort of relationship based on trust and respect. I guess they can trust it. Well, at 33 away, 33, 30 feet away or 30 yards away or so he can't throw anything at us. He can't do anything to us to spook us or scare us. So I guess they trust that distance. But I mean, as far as developing a, oh, for lack of a better word, a working relationship, we're not, we're not working on that at that great distance away. We're not even working on that if one of them's over there close enough that I can just sit there and brush on him. Not that I don't think brushing is important on our horses, and not that I don't think that brushing can establish some sort of trust relationship, but oftentimes we've got to do a little bit more. We've got to interact. Is that all sounding kind of goofy? Well, no, I think it makes sense. I think, you know, there is, I guess in a human context, there is some... I don't know if I would call it bonding, but, you know, there's some value in just being present together, even if you're not doing stuff um, productive, so to speak. But I, I guess I do wonder about horses and whether they perceive that just being in the, in the proximity to each other as being as creating a bond in some way over time. Well, you know, I think it's important, too, that if we carry on as we normally carry on and we are in the presence of our horse, then I guess our horse should actually observe and and kind of get an idea as to what we do, how we move, how we act, how we sound, and perhaps maybe even how we smell. And I'm sure that's very, very beneficial, but I don't know how that contributes Oh, I know it would to a certain degree, maybe a little bit to the development of a relationship, but I'm not sure how viable that would be when it comes to the other activities that we're going to want to do with our horse. For example, ride it. 
I just don't know how that's going to help us a lot when it comes from the writing perspective. And that's always important. Don't get me wrong. I think that's very nice to be familiar to our horses and with our horses. But I, I, I guess I'm tr- what I'm trying to get at is I think it's a lot more important to establish that that working relationship with our horses based on interacting of establishing that trust, respect. And in the horse world, we also have to have that leadership. Because you see, I think so many times, and I know it sounds so romanticized, and I love the idea of it. I just know that from my many years of working with horses, it just doesn't work for us to think of ourselves as equals. It just doesn't work. I, I, and I, I don't know if it even works in human relationships as well. I mean, I would love to have a relationship to where you know we are close to equals, but there's always that time to where one person or the other, or in this case, our horses and a, a human, the human pretty much has to step up to the plate and be the leader. Yeah. And really for no other reason than just our own personal safety, because if the horse decides to be the leader and it decides to start treating us like it does other horses, it could become very, very dangerous for us. But yet from also from the horse's perspective, if we're not the leader, then what is our purpose for them? They just That's what I, I think that horses would have a hard time grasping and understanding. What is our purpose in the world? And in, in horses' world, sadly, they do have to have a purpose because everything with them from one moment to the next, from one day to the next, it's about surviving the moment. And if I'm not help the horse survive, and if I'm not a viable leader that shows the horse that I'm trustworthy of its survival, then I just don't know how that horse is going to view me other than just maybe somebody that's going to kind of come up and scratch his back and feed it every once in a while. Okay. So I get what you're saying. So I guess the question that I have as kind of a starting point is what is bonding in the horse world? Does that happen? Like a mare and her foal or, I mean, among the horses in a herd, is there such a thing as bonding as we think of it? Well, see, there's the perfect question for this situation. Because see, with, with horses, it's almost like they just have this sense that there's it's all about the now. Whereas we tend to put a future on it. And then we also tend to put in our human emotions in with it. But see, when, and I'm glad you mentioned the part about the foal, because that is so important. Let's, let's think about that mare-foal situation. And, and, and all it is in the horse world with the animal world is that they're just trying to pass on their genetics, right? So they, they have this foal, and then our perception, oh my goodness, look how much that mare really loves her baby. And, and it does, it, it, to us, it, it, the perception is, is that, oh, she loves it because look how hard she works to care for it. And here's the crazy part about the horse world and really most animal world situations. And there's different times for this depending on the types of animals. But with horses, they will tend to have a foal. And if no humans are involved, in other words, this is considered wild horses or horses that are out on this big giant ranch with no human inter- interaction or interference – then the horses get up to a certain point to where they will wean each other off. So the mare is going to like pin her ears and look, dude, you've been sucking on my hind tip for long enough. You got to get out of here. So she's going to run that baby away, number one, so she can get ready for this for another foal if she happens to be bred. She needs to start creating that energy within herself that's going to produce more milk so that she can raise another baby. So therefore she weans off the other one. Once she weans that baby off, 
it's away from her. The only good thing for her sake is the fact that it's another number. Therefore, if a predator comes around, there's one less chance that the predator might get her and it might get the other horse instead. You see, in other words, her previous fall no longer matters to her on a personal close level. They don't, horses just don't tend to have that type of relationship. They tend to have the, the herd relationship. They respect that and they care for that a lot because again, that herd situation increases their personal odds of survival. So I guess the question comes in with the human is when we come into that relationship, then where do we see us? Are we just another number to the horse? Or are we that annoying being that comes in there and does all this crazy weird stuff to them? Or are we their leader and are we their herd leader? And see, quite frankly, what's so strange about the horse-human relationship is, is that our role changes. Because mm. sometimes we're just that buddy that hangs out and we're just going to brush on them and love on them. We really don't want anything today. We're not going to ride you. We're not going to do anything. We're just going to. We're just going to feed you and we're going to groom you and we're just going to care for you. Or sometimes we're that guy that we may not even show up for a few weeks, but when we do, hopefully it could be something positive. But then again, it could be something negative. You might load me in that darn trailer and take me on a real, real long trail ride. So you see our relationship with our horses, our role, our relationship changes all the time from the horse's perspective. They stay consistent. They just are. But we are different almost every time we interact with our horses. So I can only imagine from the horse's perspective is how confusing that must be for them. So I guess when I hear people say, well, they're going to bond, I'm going to say, bond in what role? What role are you going to be today when you bond with your horse? You're going to be its buddy? You're going to be its friend? Are you going to be the guy that just kind of hangs out from the other side of the fence and he gets to see that familiar being go by, the one that smells the same, walks the same, acts the same, sounds the same? Or are you going to be the guy that's going to come in there and then have real want in mind that you're going to walk catch it, load it in the trailer, and then take it off for a mile-long trail ride. You see, in other words, so that's the part that's confusing to me, is I'm like, okay, you're going to bond today, but at what role? What role are you going to play today when you're going to bond with your horse? Because see, if if we're truly thinking of being, quote-unquote, natural horsemen, then just kind of strip down naked and go out there and graze with your horse and just get naked with him that way, but pin your ears if he doesn't do something that you like. And I don't mean to poke fun at that, but that's the same thing as that Sometimes there's so much latitude within our, I guess you could say, within our language of horses and horsemanship that imagine how confusing it must be from that horse's perspective. So I guess that's where I had the biggest issues. Is that I, 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 to me, it would just make more sense to me if I truly knew what they meant by, you know, by that word. It's just almost too much of a vague word. Uh, for for my liking, when I'm thinking of developing a, a relationship, and especially a a working relationship with with their horse. Well, and so if we're not bonding in the sense of a sort of a reciprocal thing, where I'm bonding with the horse and the horse is bonding with me, and and that's going to have some significance to the horse over the long term. Uh, what's the alternative? I mean, I see we can you know we can go out there and enjoy being around them. Uh, while we're doing whatever we're doing in the barn or in the pasture, and maybe they get used to seeing us around, and that's that's got some value. But I, I hear you saying that we're not gonna we're not gonna necessarily do anything really significant in terms of a relationship with the horse just by hanging out. Um, we're not gonna become buddies, and 
you said earlier, we need to become their leaders. So what, what's the alternative to just hanging out with our horses and, and being buddies? Having almost having a purpose with almost everything that we do with our horse, that's that type of trust that they need to feel in us. That's that security. And I don't mean we have to go out there and we have to go put them to work and all that other type of stuff. It's just that the minute that we walk into the pasture, we need to carry ourselves in that position of respect. So if the horse begins to trust and respect that being as we are. And here's now you hit a, you, you touched on a key word a little while ago, Laura, that was reciprocal. Because see, we as humans, we can't, it's just not in our nature that we're going to do something for somebody else or for something else and not expect something in return. By golly, if I'm going to love you, horse, you're going to love me back. <laughs> that's, the, that's the rules. So when I feed you every day, you need to appreciate the fact that I'm feeding you every day because I've made great sacrifices in feeding you. That feed's expensive and I have to get up every, every, every morning very, very early and I've got to come in and feed you in the evenings. No matter what my other life uh, has, I've got to commit a certain amount of time just to you. So since I'm doing all that because I love you, then I expect you to love me back. And see, that's the part that the the part of the bonding part that with horses, I want people to understand that in my opinion, I think that sort of expectation of reciprocal behavior is very dangerous. Well, okay. But, but what do you say to the fact that, and I think I know, but I could be wrong to the fact that when I, you know, my horses do appreciate that because they, they nicker at me every time I come into the barn in the morning or at night, or, you know, they come, they come running when I show up. So is that not part of a bond or is that something else related to the survival instinct you were talking about earlier? That's part of the survival instinct. That's part of the de- dependency uh, issue too. We've made our horses dependent on us. And here's the other part, and this is the part that nobody likes to hear, and you've heard me say this before. Okay, I'm going to let you and Mike go on a month-long vacation, or you guys are going to head to France for a while, and I'm going to come over and I'm going to feed your horses every day. And I'm going to do it at a different time, though. So I don't know what time you normally feed your horses, but I'm going to come in there and I'm going to feed them every day, say, at 8 o'clock, and you might feed them at 7 o'clock. I don't know. But I bet you that probably after about the third day, the minute they hear my vehicle at 8 o'clock, I bet you they nicker. (laughs) <laughs> you see, I've, I'm now the guy that they bonded with because, you know, I'm the guy that's feeding them. I'm the guy that might reach over the fence and pet on them a little bit while, while we're hanging out. And I'm just kind of chilling out there for a little bit. And my question is, I just wonder, and I really don't know. I don't know if horses really have that sense of grieving. I just wonder that while you're gone and you guys are enjoying France, I just wonder if they're just like hiding underneath their favorite shade tree, just in tears because they miss you. (laughs) Yes. Because they miss you so badly. And I wonder if they miss you from like really, really badly from say seven o'clock to eight (laughs) o'clock. Cause I'm going to show up at eight o'clock to feed them like Laura who (laughs) you see. So that's the part that I just don't, I, and I wish I knew the real answer to that. I don't doubt in the least that the horses develop even close personal relationships with humans to a certain degree. I've seen it with horses and dogs. I don't doubt that they grieve a little bit in certain ways that animals do. I just don't know if they do it in such a way that that's familiar to us as humans, the way that we would grieve or the way that we would really be sorrowful if, uh, say, like when my grandmother died or my grandfather died, I was extremely close to them. Therefore, when they died, uh, it's, it's hard to explain, but anybody that's ever lived through it, they know 
sometimes and somehow your heart just hurts. You just have that emptiness. And I just don't know, quite frankly, if horses have that same that same feel for us. I don't doubt that they do to a certain degree. I just don't know if it's as human-like as what we would like to think that it is. And why not? Or why would it be? Because we're not, they're not humans. They're, they're a much simpler creature than we are. And I don't get me wrong, I love them to death. I mean, I'm, I'm a sucker for a horse any day, but I just don't want to see people get disappointed because they have unre- unrealistic, unrealistic expectations of the relationship that they have with a horse. Well, and, and so that, I guess that raises the question I have. I, I get that we need to establish ourselves as leaders with our horses in, in the context of the things we want to be able to do with them. But as, as, assuming that this idea of bonding and the things we do that we think would help create a bond don't interfere with that, assuming we're not, you know, pursuing bonding uh, to the point that we're being unsafe because we let the horses invade our space or wh- whatever things, assuming that's not happening. What's the danger? What's the, what's the hazard of a person who feels like they want to, you know, they want to bond with their horse and have their, you know, think of it in those terms. What's, what's the hazard there? I really don't think there's much of a hazard there. Just as long as they don't ever let their guard down. I just had this discussion with a student that come out the other day I've I've never seen a kid love horses more than this girl does. I mean, when she comes to the ranch, it's just all of a sudden her whole persona just changes. Uh, she she doesn't miss a single thing that a horse does, and she can't help but to go put her hands on one and just be close to one. I've I've never seen a kid that that is so drawn to horses, and I've never seen a kid that just gets lost in la la land the minute she gets on one of them's back. I mean. She'll follow all the instructions that I ever give her when, you know, during the course of a lesson, be it I'll just tell her sometimes, okay, Miss Hannah, you just go do what you want to do and just go have fun. And this girl just gets lost in that time. So I don't think there's anything wrong with that part of it. As long as, as lost as she may get, don't ever forget that they're big. Don't ever forget that they have sharp teeth. Don't ever forget that they kick. Don't ever forget that they, that they paw. Don't ever forget that horses buck. Every horse bucks. Every horse bites. Every horse paws. Every horse is big. Every horse is strong. Every horse is very fast. So if you care about our little bitty bodies by comparison to the horses, then no matter how closely we bond with them, we can never forget the fact that they are huge, big, strong, fast animals. And their sole priority is self-preservation. And we can do all the bonding we want as long as we just don't let that own personal guard down. Because, And here's why I think that is so important not to let your guard down. Number one, I don't want anybody to get hurt. But number two, I've just seen so many people that when they do get hurt by their horse, they do one of two things. They either blame the horse. Oh, my goodness, that stupid horse. I just I can't believe he did that to me. Or they blame themselves in such a way but they don't blame themselves for the right reasons. In other words, oh, I just can't believe I put myself in that position. But yet they don't realize, but you do that all the time. You're in that position constantly, you see? So that's the part that I want people to realize when they're, when they're bonding with their horses is that you have to maintain that personal bubble around you. And I don't want them to think that you do that by not making yourself vulnerable. You can make yourself vulnerable spiritually. You can make yourself vulnerable emotionally, but you can't make yourself vulnerable physically and not expect that eventually you're you're probably going to physically get hurt. So that's that's the there's no real harm in in all the other things that we were just mentioning a moment ago, Laura. But 
I just want people to realize there's there's that potentiality for physical harm. Because Lord knows, you can do all the things that are right and still get physically hurt by the horses just because of their size, strength, and and um, speed. Right. Nothing. Yeah, it's nothing bad against it. It's just that we just we have to always have that. I call it awareness. Have that keen sense of awareness. And when you have that keen sense of awareness of the differences between the horses and the humans, then you you run the risk or you 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 stand the chance of of just being safer around them. And that's always my my big key thing: safety, safety, safety. Mm-hmm. It's hard to love something when you're afraid of it because you've been hurt, either because of the horse's fault or you are our own fault. It's it's hard to to keep that feeling of confidence when we find ourselves continually getting hurt. Well, and I, yeah, I can see that. And I guess it, it doesn't have to be a, a a vicious horse to hurt you just because they're so big, as you've said. And the, and I think you would say, and, and correct me if I'm wrong, that no matter how much you bond with your horse, if it comes to a choice between its survival and yours, it's going to pick itself. You bet. I mean, abs- <laughs> absolutely. I mean, there there's... Uh... You know, I've heard people say this before, and I think we even touched on it in a previous episode, that, oh, my horse bucked me off, but oh, bless her heart. She just did everything in her power not to step on me. And I, and, I, and you know what? I totally, 100% emphatically agree with that. You bet you, your horse did everything in its power not to step on you. Not because it didn't give a flying flip if it was going to step on you to squish you. It just wants solid footing and you're not it. <laughs> Yeah. You know, that's like, that's like, you know, falling off a ladder and there's, there's 10 basketballs down there right below you. I promise you, you would rather hit the floor than to land on your feet on top of a basketball, you know, cause you're just, you're eventually just going to, it's, it's going to turn the, the fall even harder and more out of balance and everything else. So yes, you're going to try to avoid the basketballs. So when a horse is bucking and it finds something underneath its feet like a human, if it's aware of your presence at all, it's going to try like heck to miss you because it it was it just wants solid ground. And 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 but see here's the sad part: the narcissistic part of us humans says, "Oh, but he loves me. That's why he didn't hurt me." He's trying to protect me. Yes, they're trying to protect me, and I'm like, "No, girlfriend. The horse is just trying to protect itself, and you were in the way." Yeah. And I don't mean that callous. It's just that's the reality, you know. And 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 that's the part that I think that people get upset with me about sometimes. I just throw the truth at them about the horse, and so many times it kind of shatters that little romanticized bubble that some of us live in. And and I'm guilty of it too. I mean, I. I frequently find myself, especially my own personal horses, pushing the limits a little bit more on those guys than I do with a ho- like a customer horse, a horse that I don't know all that well. And and maybe in my case, my excuse is is that oh I've been doing this for so stinking long now that you know, and I know this horse so well that it's a little bit more of a calculated risk. But risk is the key word there. It's still a risk. Yeah. Well, interesting topic, Van. I would uh, I would imagine there are people listening who probably have a thought or two about this, and uh, <laughs> and I would encourage anybody who's got an opinion one way or the other, or some ideas about the things that Van has said, to to reach out and share those thoughts. Um, be nice about it, but <laughs> 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 yeah. um, I, I, I think. Uh, um, 
an honest and, and thoughtful conversation is always welcome. So if you have comments or questions about what we've talked about, you can share those in the Van Hargis Horsemanship Facebook page, or you can send Van an email at info at vanhargis.com. And I'm sure he'd be interested to hear your thoughts on this. What else? Man. Well, I just want to—I want to be sure to remind everybody that we are working on our uh, our living quarters at the at the ranch, and we want to invite people to to start making plans to start coming out and hanging out with us here at the ranch. You can come and spend a weekend with us and take uh, riding lessons, be a part of a clinic, be a part of a mini clinic. Tell the students out there, those that are aspiring to be professionals one day in the horse industry, that we will be reestablishing our intern and apprentice programs, and those are. I guess you could say for those who aren't really as familiar with the intern and apprentice programs, it's almost like a trade school for the horse industry. What I've done in the past, Laura, is I've had students that come to work for me. And then as those students impress me, I will get on the phone and I will talk to other trainers and I will do my dead level best to get my students uh, hired at, at one of these other professional facilities so that they can become full-blown assistants or at least c- carry on their uh, their career choice in the horse industry. Well, that sounds pretty cool. So how do they find out about that? Same email course, address? Absolutely. They just want to go to our website, check things out, and then um, send us an email. Let us know if they're interested, and we'll be more than happy to send them all the details. And there is an application. I just don't take anybody into an intern and apprentice program. I, I interview them very extensively first over the phone, and then we actually do a Skype conversation. I want to see what the person looks like, how they respond, how they act. And if I really feel that deep down inside that they really aspire to be serious about being a professional in the horse industry, then we will, uh, we will consider having them come in for a personal interview uh, in person. And I, at that point in time, I want to watch them ride. I want to watch them interact with horses that are not familiar to them. And um, and at that stage, we make our mind up we'll accept the student or not. But it's to me, it's been a it's been a very good program in the past, and I'm just keenly excited about having the dormitory situation set up to where we can can offer that service again to our students. And it's there's probably not a more rewarding thing out there, Laura, than to see students go off and and uh, make really top professionals later on in their career. Okay, so lots of cool stuff happening at Van Hargis Horsemanship. Watch the uh, website. Go back periodically. They'll be um, posting updates uh, and maybe some pictures of the new facility and fun stuff like that. And uh, so watch the website for more information. And if you have questions, again, you can always email info at vanhargis.com. While you're on the website, be sure to check out the schedule, see where Van's going to be this year. And Try to attend the events if you're if there's something in your location. If it's not if he's not coming to your area, you might want to consider hosting a clinic at a facility in your area. And you can also email Van about that to get the details from him on how that works out. I think that's it, right? That's just about it, Laura. I am very appreciative always to those who listen and and appreciate those that write reviews for us and certainly appreciate the ones that send in their questions and their concerns. And uh, with that said, Laura, I just want to remind everybody, it's your ride, it's your trail, it's your journey. So ride every stride. Mm -hmm.